You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge Podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. We're in the middle of Lent right now, the season of Lent in our church year, which means we're going to quiz you all on everything that you know about Lent, or at least that's what I think we're doing today. So hopefully we all aren't stumped about all things Lenten season. And I hear there's an essay question at the end of this, so you're just going to have to stick around for for that. (laughs) Rachel, this is yours. Take it away. Yeah. Thanks, Sarah. I actually really like Lent. Uh, don't hate me. But <laughs> you love the Ember Days, don't you? That's like your favorite thing. Oh no, I do love I do love Ember Days, but um, <laughs> but no, I I like I like Lent. I like the way it sort of strips things away and brings us back to the essentials and helps yep. us focus on what's really important. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm I I go through Lent with a frown and also a smile on my face. Um, you can't smile during Lent? What? I'm, I am <laughs> thankful for all the things that Lent teaches me every year. It's a good gift. But there's a lot about Lent that I did not know. So I set out to learn a little bit more about it. And we'll see whether you guys can follow me on this trail of learning today. And we will <laughs> we will see how, how smart you are when it comes to the Lent. <laughs> First off, question number one: What does the word Lent mean? Oh, wow, that's a Crickets. that's a starter. I, I feel know. like I should know this. I feel like I do like know I this should too. But it was a complete what? Surprise Hang on a second. Is there a language origin that you could help tell us to the maybe etymology of the word? This isn't yeah. a spelling bee, guys. <laughs> it is Old English slash German Teutonic. Well, that's not mm. helpful. <laughs> Um, uh, I know I, I learned know. this. I know exactly. I'm sure I've heard it, and I, for the life of me, I can't remember. I want to say it has something to do with spring, but that's Easter, isn't it? It does have something to do with spring. Oh, you're so gonna I- completely kick yourself when you hear this because I had never known this, oh, and yeah, uh, I don't know it then. Okay, like new beginning. I don't. Mm. No, so obvious. It's right there. I can feel so, it. This is from Alatea.org. The word is traced etymologically to an old English word, lengthen, lengthen. which is related to lengthen, referring to the, the lengthening of the days. That's oh! Right Sorry, oh. I probably maxed out right there. <laughs> yes, you <laughs> did. Sense, though. <laughs> Once you hear it, it makes such perfect sense. It simply means this is the time when the days are getting longer. Lengthening. Lent. Interesting. It's so interesting how how words get pulled into our church vocabulary. For sure. They they don't have anything to do with church, but this is what they are now. (laughs) So I was surprised that it came from from German and English and not Latin, since so many of our church festivals have their source in, you know, liturgical Latin. Uh, Lent does actually have a Latin name. I was going to ask. What it is. is. What is the Latin term for lent man these are hard questions gosh you are also also mean lengthen (laughs) it does not but it also has a very literal meaning think about the season that comes right before lent this might winter no the church season oh (laughs) epiphany in in pre-vatican ii those of you who are one-year lectionary wonders i think that's gonna be sarah 
Well, that, that is the season of Epiphany. Uh-huh. Isn't there something in between? Pre-Lent. Which is? Pre-Lent. Yes! You're on the right track. So we've got Septuagesma, Seventy Days, Sexagesma, Quinquagesma. Quinquagesma, right. I love that one. It's my favorite. So we've got 70 days before Lent or before Easter, 60 days before Easter, 50 days before Easter. What do you think the 40 days before Easter are called? Something with Quadragesma. 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 Yes. (laughs) I love these words. Free your face right now. (laughs) Because I'm 35 years old and I've never heard of any of this. Quadragesima, quite a mouthful, and I'm really not at all surprised that we opted to go with the four-letter, one-syllable Germanic word, Lent, because it's so much easier to say. Gesima is so fun, though. I like them. Yeah. I don't like their. They have their true fans. (laughs) They are really, I don't know. Somehow the word makes me uncomfortable because <laughs> I haven't like grown up with it, but it's it's just a weird word. I'm okay with septuagesma. I have a little trouble with sexagesma. <laughs> yeah. 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 I like wine. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> right. today. Let's keep so, it rolling. <laughs> quadragesma simply means 40 days. Okay. So this has from uh, quite a ways back been a 40 day fast before Easter. Where on earth did we get that number 40 days for our Lenten fast? 40 days, 40 in, the days in the wilderness. Yeah. The temptation of Jesus. It's gotta be. Uh-huh. You're quite right. Yes! So, <laughs> Jesus <laughs> being driven out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to endure 40 days of fasting before his temptation. This was the event that helped inspire the final length of Lent, hmm. uh, because where Jesus goes, we follow. Yep. Mm-hmm. So obviously Lent is not mentioned in the Bible, but it is a very old tradition. If you had to guess a century, when did the practice of fasting for 40 days before Easter really begin? Second century. Oh, wow. That's really I'm going to go with fifth century. I feel like this is a trick question. <laughs> I think it's I'm, it's BC sometime. What BC? I don't before know. before Easter, they started fasting. Know. Before Easter, <laughs> was it? Maybe it wasn't Easter. Maybe it was I'll, adopted from another. Because pa- like Passover, for example, happens about the same time, doesn't it? Yeah, fair hmm. enough. Okay. All right. So Sarah says second century. Aaron says fourth century. Bree, you want to fifth? I said fifth. Fifth. fifth yeah. Century. Okay. Fine. Bree, you want to price as right this? I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna say the first century. Hmm. Okay. Well, let's see. Going by price is right rules. Oh no. I'm gonna have to give it to Sarah, who came yes! closest Ooh. without going over, but it's fourth century. I accidentally <laughs> slipped. I don't know where my head is. This uh Lenten fast is really uh it's <laughs> dulling my brain cells here. Aaron was closer, though. Aaron was closer, but Sarah didn't go I over. Overshot it. Yeah. Over. Um, yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's been going on since the fourth century, which is also, you know, the earliest that we can trace our hard documentation for certain elements in our liturgies. There was a lot hmm. of like development happening in the fourth century, you know, as Christianity was becoming, you know, legal. 
yeah. they were free to sort of flesh out some things. And yeah. so some really, some really uh, longstanding traditions date back to around that time. Yeah. However, Brie, you are right yeah. in that. I mean, obviously, <laughs> Moses didn't observe Lent, but talk about fasting and spiritual discipline go all the way back to the Old Testament. And we're certainly present both in, you know, the Jewish people and in the early church. So you look at, for example, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, where he says, I discipline my body and keep it under control. You look at the the gospel where Jesus says, when the bridegroom is is gone, then people will fast, then his, then his, his followers will fast. And, you know, there's this expectation, like Jesus says, not if you fast, but when you fast, that fasting is a is a part of, you know, the Christian life. So even though it didn't really get formulated until the fourth century, it was definitely a, you know, building on a foundation that had been laid from the very earliest days. Yeah. Things got even more specific during the Middle Ages. They loved <laughs> their specifics in the Middle Ages with <laughs> theologians like Thomas Aquinas codifying Lenten fasting into a detailed and comprehensive set of austerities. Of course. And I really love the Middle Ages. I'm sure a lot of our listeners do too. <laughs> Not just time. Those were good days, the Middle Ages. The more I learned about it, the more interesting it is. It wasn't all knights and princesses. It was a lot of monks sitting in scriptariums and (laughs) writing comic strips in the margins of their, you know, sacred texts. (laughs) So the next few questions, because the Middle Ages were the high ages for Lenten fasting, we're going to focus in on how Christians observed Lent at that time. And a hat tip to the Society of St. Pius X for an article on this topic. I'll link to all these sources in the show notes if you want to read more about this. So most of Lent, despite all these sort of um, very complicated rules, wasn't a complete fast where like you go without food all day and all night. It wasn't the sort of fast that we think of when we're, say, preparing for a colonoscopy. Um <laughs> Some food was allowed. However, what you ate and how much and when were all highly regulated. There were two days in Lent that were called black fasts. And these are your standard just don't eat at all Mm. during this day. So which do you think are the two days that were black fasts for the medieval Christians? Good Friday. Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. Yes, ma'am. Yep. Yeah. So if you could get through those two days, you weren't going to starve in Lent. <laughs> Might be tightening your belt. Another way that they regulated food intake during Lent was by having a sort of cutoff time that you would eat nothing until this time of day. Similar, think of, of Muslims observing Ramadan, not mm-hmm. eating between when the sun rises and the sun sets. Yep. So what was the magic hour when people could start eating during Lent? It has a has a theological uh, tie-in. Three. Hour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Three o'clock in the afternoon. Hey! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in the uh, this idea of not eating until 
you know, 3 p.m. when at the hour when Jesus' suffering came to an end Mm -hmm. and he gave up his life on the cross. This was a way of honoring that. However, there was some cheating. (laughs) What? (laughs) Well, because monks worked really hard, you guys. Hmm. It was hard to not eat until three in the afternoon when you're working in the fields. So as early as AD 800, the 3 p.m. breakfast gradually sort of inched its way up to 12 p.m. to give the hardworking monks a chance to maybe not faint as they went about their work. Mm. So as long as they had sour wine with their lunch, they were okay. (laughs) (laughs) But they still called the prayers that marked the end of the fast after the ninth hour of daylight, after 3 p.m. They call it nones mm. which is where we get our word noon because yeah. okay okay noon is when we are pretending that it is actually 3 p.m. so we can go ahead and have some food <laughs> that's actually the okay. order of liturgy we used for our wedding service you used nones <laughs> of course you did Nerd. Oh, that's brilliant <laughs> you guys are my favorite <laughs> just nerds we're just nerds <laughs> we like it we like that here <laughs> so medieval church people didn't only restrict when they ate but they also restricted what they ate now think back to our mardi gras quiz last year and about all the foods that had to be sort of used up before lent mm-hmm. what foods were completely off limits and spoiler alert chocolate is not on the list <laughs> Was chocolate even a thing for them? No. Yeah. It... Probably Very... hot fat carbs. <laughs> Basically any of those. <laughs> but also, like, wasn't part of the reason they did pancakes? Like, it's a pancake thing because they were getting rid of their... their Flour. Flour mm-hmm. and... I don't know. What is dairy? So milk and eggs, are those also out? I'm guessing. Yeah. Flour, milk, and eggs. That's what I'm saying. And then also, I feel like meat is a classic one. Yeah. I so was I'm going to say meat, meat as there. well. So that's going to leave you not a lot. Vegetables. Really. That's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You, you're starting to get the hang of medieval Lent. So, <laughs> so there fun. were no animal meats or fats. So you can have anything fried. No fried brown lunch. I miss no eggs. <laughs> And no dairy products. Yeah. So milk, cheese, cream, butter, all of that is off the table, which leaves you bread, fish. Okay. So flour was actually acceptable. Flour was okay. It was okay. That was pancakes are just to help use up the other things. Right. It's what you're frying them. Okay. Got it. Uh, The flour is just to hold everything else together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you could have bread, you could have vegetables, and you could have fish. That's not so bad. No, it's not so bad. I feel like I'd be really pretty healthy by the end of the season if I I like fish. Did that? Be okay. So I don't know. But this that's really lean. <laughs> it's really I'm lean. Not that at all. That's really. Lean. I would miss cow. Uh-huh. You could also have watered down wine or beer. Ooh, wow. And later on, after coffee and tea were introduced, they were allowed to, oh, so God. long as you didn't put any mm. dairy product in them. I would survive. Mm. <laughs> Coffee and almond milk. I'm good. (laughs) It's true. The almond milk people would make out like bandits. (laughs) 
yep. <laughs> this time because it... that is correct. Yes, but this particular group of foods, looking just practically at the season, was a very convenient set of foods to give up during this set of weeks in the springtime in an agrarian society. Why is this? Hmm. No refrigeration. No refrigeration. Yep. Um, and they. I'm guessing chickens stop laying in the spring. I'm guessing, but that's my theory. And and you want them to and oh oh baby cows need the milk instead of instead of the people. I, yes. I, it always has something to do with baby cows. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's it. That's I mean, spring is the time of year when all the baby animals come along. And mm-hmm. so you really don't want to be if, if you can avoid that window when they need the milk. Then once they're weaned off, then you can have it. And same with eggs. If you're going to raise a clutch of chicks, you're right. You know, spring is. So the it's time not that they stop it. laying, but it's they're they're actually brooding. Yes. Instead of laying. Mm-hmm. And you okay. obviously don't want to be killing any of your animals when you have no, no refrigeration, and also when you want them to be mm-hmm. multiplying. Yes. So mm-hmm. there's a very practical reason as well okay. um, that these particular. Foods I will point the out though, agrarian wise. Leaving you with flour and vegetables and fish in the very early spring. It's not like there's a lot of vegetables at that time of year. No. So there is actually, it's pretty slim pickings. So Bree's like, comment about gruel, right on. You're uh-huh. going to be eating a lot uh-huh. of dried peas. Yum. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> I wish I lived in the Middle Ages. <laughs> Gross. I mean, they would have had like spices and herbs too, though, right? If they weren't like poor, the poor people, yeah. like they basically okay. ate <laughs> onions wealthy. and garlic. Those would have been. Yeah, I'm trying to find a silver lining, Sarah. They hey, ate man, onions and garlic. I can't even eat onions <laughs> and garlic. <laughs> Do you know what the silver lining <laughs> is, Brie? What is it's that? Coffee. It's Easter. Easter. That's the silver truth. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sit tight, it's coming. <laughs> However, there was one day of the week where they got a little break. They didn't get completely off. Which day of this of the week would this be? Sunday. I yeah. was going to say Sunday. Mm-hmm. Or Friday because fish fries. But they're mm. already eating fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like the advent of vegetable oils was a game changer in <laughs> Lent plant-based fasting. oils. Uh huh. Not no longer frying that yeah. fish in lard. Mm. boiling it more likely <laughs> they're just having boiled fish in gruel Disgusting. well wow. one way that they would do it was they would dried they would salt all the fish and then they had to soak yeah. it yeah. to get some of the salt off before they cooked uh-huh. it doesn't sound particularly no. yummy no obviously most christians today do not fast during Lent in this heavy-handed way, Martin Luther, despite the fact that he did quite a lot of fasting in his life himself, and the other reformers began the work of dismantling the law-based system of Lenten fasting and leaving Lent more to the conscience and freedom of individual Christians. Even Catholics followed suit, sort of lightening up the uh, restrictions over the years until by the 1960s, Lenten fasting began to look pretty tame by medieval standards. Pope Paul VI's 1966 Apostolic Constitution Penitemini, quote, reduced Lenten practice to two lines, no meat allowed on Fridays in Lent, and one meal with two collations, that's small snacks, allowed on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. So 
I feel like that's doable. That's very reasonable. Yeah. There is one church body that still mandates a fast for its members that might look pretty familiar to people in the Middle Ages. Can you guess or do you know which church body this is? Orthodox. Yes. Yep. I have Orthodox family members. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Do they do a lot of complaining this time of year? No, but I know she has a whole separate set of recipes for the times of year when there's no lots of things. They also (laughs) are brooding. (laughs) Yes. That's the thing. If you're pregnant or nursing, you don't have to follow the rules or like a certain Mm -hmm. age of of kids don't do it either. So if you just keep having babies, then you never have to do any of the fasting. Yeah, time it. That's right. Well, that's a a way to encourage population growth right there. (laughs) So this is from uh, Wikipedia. Their helpful entry on Eastern Orthodox's great fast. Mm-hmm. The foods abstained from are meat, fish, eggs, and dairy products, wine, and oil. According to some traditions, only olive oil is abstained from. In others, all vegetable oils. While wine and oil are permitted on Saturdays, Sundays, and a few feast days, and fish is permitted on Palm Sunday as well as the Annunciation when it falls before Palm Sunday, and caviar is permitted on Lazarus Saturday, meat and dairy are prohibited entirely until the fast is broken on Easter. So that's really caviar. complicated. Yeah, the caviar thing surprised me. That's interesting. I've never heard that. I feel like I, I've never even heard of Lazarus Saturday. I feel like I would. I, yeah. It, that could be a new tradition in my house caviar on Lazarus Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> when is Lazarus Saturday? That's a great question. That's a really great question. Since I'm the only one who's allowed to Google during this quiz, I will look <laughs> it up for you. Uh-huh. On you, bro. Uh-huh. <laughs> Lazarus Saturday is the day before Palm Sunday. Oh. And it commemorates the raising of Lazarus from the Gospel of John, which was a, a time when the Jewish religious leaders, those Pharisees, began to get really freaked out by Jesus and decided they needed to do something drastic to get rid of him. Because, you know, healing people is problematic enough, but raising the dead, that, that can't stand. Mm-hmm. So Lazarus Saturday. Fascinating. Our Orthodox brothers and sisters also pray more, read more, attend extra liturgies, and ironically enough, place a heavy emphasis on joy throughout the season Hmm. of Lent. Hmm. Uh Uh-huh. That may be why you haven't heard complaining, Sarah. Yeah, no complaining. (laughs) There is a certain word that they use even more heavily during Lent than outside of Lent, even though many other Christians abstain from this word entirely during the Lenten season. Which word is that? Is you're going to make a- us say it. The A word? <laughs> is that the word you're talking about? You can't say that. It's Lent. <laughs> it rhymes with schmalleluyah. <laughs> is that the one? That is the one. The Hebrew <laughs> word for praise the Lord. <laughs> there you go. We're safe. We didn't technically say it. <laughs> so I found that really interesting that that during this fasting season, the Orthodox actually pump their services even more full of praises, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. Well, I've heard before. I mean, even in our tradition, we hold that Sundays are not really part of Lent. Yes. Right? Yeah, you'll see. And so it's interesting that we still, even though like we aren't 
fasting on Sundays. We still fast from that. I don't know. It's it's that's an sort of an oddity. Uh, it is good. I wonder point. if that was always the case, or if that's something that came around as we started fasting less and less. Yeah, now I, I want to know where that comes uh, from because I think it probably well as goes back to that medieval tradition of you get a little ease up on Sunday, but n- not really. Like mm. Right. But like the current practice that we have in, in most Lutheran mm-hmm. churches is that during Lent, we fast from that word. And when did that begin in Lutheran churches? Did that begin right. way back at the beginning? Has that been something that was pre-Lutheran churches and we carried it with us? I actually I a, didn't know um, that was a thing. Something for a future... Adult. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Future trivia quiz, maybe. I think so. And I think you're quizzing the quiz mistress, (laughs) which is... (laughs) That's bad bad form. Out of bounds. Turn in the tables. (laughs) (laughs) We're the ones that are supposed to be stopped. Yeah. Uh, Yes. We'll say a future quiz unless I'm able to really really hit the Google hard in the next two minutes. Yeah. That's okay. For our listeners out there, if you know the history of mm. the fasting from the Hebrew word for praise the Lord during the season of Lent, <laughs> and if you know why that word, and if you know also why it is that even though Lenten fasting is somewhat relieved on Sundays, we continue our fast on Sundays throughout Lent. If you know, help us out. We have stumped ourselves. Which is a thing that has never happened on this quiz before. (laughs) So thank you, Erin. You're you're really good at this. I feel so proud. (laughs) (laughs) Joke's on you because the tables are turned. We have now come to question number 13, which is our essay question for the quiz. (laughs) Yes. Now, Lenten fasting, of course, is not something that in Lutheran church is prescribed. Your pastor will not give you a list of foods and hours and days of things that you can and cannot eat or drink or do or observe. We do have extra church services that we all go to together. But in Lutheran churches, the practice of Lent and of Lenten fasting is is largely left up to the conscience of the individual believer. And so that's your essay question for the day. What do Lent and Lenten fasting mean to all of you personally? Well, I'm also one who loves Lent. I've always loved the the music of Lent. And honestly, I've always enjoyed the, the services on Wednesday nights and the the soup suppers that would go beforehand. Hmm. All, all of that is something I really enjoy. I especially love the way it all leads up to Easter. There's something in Holy Week that really this won't quite, <laughs> it won't quite convey it correctly fully, but there's this pageantry that goes with it <laughs> that I love the way they, they have everything sort of building on itself. And it's, it's beautifully done. And it really, every year it ends up, it surprises me how meaningful it is and the impact that it has every year, even though it's like, I know what's going to happen <laughs> and still every year. <laughs> As far as fasting, I've gone through different different phases. Most typically what I've done and and this year I haven't I haven't done anything and I don't know if it's just because it's I'll, well I'll just blame it on on the pandemic, but <laughs> typically 
I've added something. That's been my approach to fasting. Instead of giving something up, I've added something to or substituted something. So I've done I've done different things. But this year I I haven't there wasn't anything that I don't know, there wasn't anything that that came to me that I was like, this is I want to do this this year. Sometimes I've done it where I've started midway through. And so it it could yet be that I will that I will find something that I'm like, ah, yes, this is going to be my practice the rest of Lent. But things that I've I've done in the past have been things like I will memorize hymns or one year I worked to totally review the small catechism, all of the all of the <laughs> explanations for all of the different parts. Another year I I gave up listening to radio in my car. And so I just sat and thought while I drove, which was surprisingly impactful. That would not work this year since I don't commute <laughs> anywhere. So that would be a that wouldn't be a good choice <laughs> for this year. So anyway, those are those are my my experiences with Lent and fasting, uh, and it really has been different every year. I don't have a consistent practice. I also love Lent. Uh, maybe it's a Lutheran thing to love Lent. Like we like feeling the, <laughs> the weightiness On of the Lenten season, and we like revel in in our Lutheranness during. I don't know. Maybe that's not a thing. No, I uh, think you're right. <laughs> Austerity is our love language. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but I love the music. The Lenten hymns are some of my favorites. We all know that Easter Vigil is also my favorite service, which is like half Lent, half not. And that flip of when it goes from Lent to Easter is like the highlight of my whole liturgical year. It is, I think we're talking about this in, a, in an upcoming podcast episode, so stay tuned. But if you've never been to an Easter Vigil, like go find one. It is amazing. <laughs> or you can watch online this year because everyone's services are online. It's going to be amazing. Anyway, I have not grown up in a family that fasts. That was never part of our tradition during Lent. So my husband and I sort of halfway did the, the adding something for a couple of years, but we've never really done anything all that structured. Uh, one year we added uh, eating at Chick-fil-A <laughs> once a week. <laughs> I'm not sure that that counts, That's a <laughs> uh, but we definitely did that one year when we lived in Chicago. I think I don't know. It's it's an odd thing also being a church musician because when we enter the season of Lent, our choir practices are after Wednesday night services. So I don't know if that's like part of the extra meditation because we're at church until like nine o'clock at least on Wednesday nights. Like it's it's it is time and it is effort to yes. be a musician during the season of the, of the mm-hmm. church year. And you're giving up things in order to do that. True. Which I I mean, I love doing the music. It's also strange because when we hit Lent, we start practicing Easter music. <laughs> so <laughs> we're in a midweek Lent service and we're singing this somber Lenten music. And then we go to choir practice and we're singing all these Easter Easter Sunday hymns. Everyone it, fasts from the Hebrew word for praise <laughs> the Lord, except choristers. <laughs> like it's it's this weird, it's this weird place of you literally get Lent and Easter like back to back every Wednesday night, which is kind of cool too, because the dichotomy of those things back to back is so present all the time. I don't know. It's I think I really realized that last week when we were singing some like really heavy lamentations, uh, Carl Schalk's lamentations, like some seriously heavy stuff. And then like, we pull out awake my heart with gladness, like it's Easter. <laughs> Remixed. 
but it's I don't know it's cool so that's kind of been my experience I I do love that our liturgies are kind of paired back on Sundays too mm-hmm. it's a little bit more somber it's that extra reflection and, and meditation on on what this season is and what we're looking forward to during Easter Vigil <clears throat> <laughs> I agree with all of the above. I love Lent. It is more somber, I think, and it allows us greater opportunities to focus on, you know, Christ's passion and be mindful of, like, how the story ends. I love the music. I love going to Wednesday night service. I don't think I've ever been to an Easter vigil, by the way. I guess we'll talk about that. I mean, I am this year because my husband's preaching it. But yeah, I mean, it's just such, and I don't don't know if it's a Lutheran thing. Maybe it is. But, you know, there's something just really special about Lent that is different from, like, Christmas or Epiphany or, you know, because there's so much other, like, for, you know, Christmas, at least the holiday season, and you've got, you know, a lot of secular buy-in. So I feel like this is this is sort of a, a a really sacred time for Christians to just come together and meditate on why we celebrate. Of course, if you live in the Midwest, I know here in St. Louis, it's Lent is becoming more embraced by the secular world simply because of fish fries. Like, mm. you know, people will go on their fish fry extravaganza parades or whatever and go to a different (laughs) fish fry every like it's fish fry season everybody let's do it and i mean that's fine it's it is what it is but i i appreciate being able to separate that and be able to to celebrate in such a special way with with my fellow christian brothers and sisters I just rambled and pretty much just said everything that Aaron and Sarah said in like a really weird and awkward way. You're right that Lent is just ours. When yeah. it comes to Christmas or Easter or, you know, the non-Christian folks, they, they share those with us. And that's fine. You know, there's joy to go around. There's no Santa Claus or Easter Bunny equivalent for Lent. We get it all to ourselves. Everyone else is really sick of their New Year's resolutions. They're not looking for any more disciplines. Right. <laughs> but for us, it's it's ours. And yeah. that's, a, that's a cool thing about it. For me, uh, if I can answer my own essay question. Do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Lent is a time to... Uh, well, I, you guys probably know this already. I hate February. I hate the first part of March. I really do. It's a bleak time of year. Mm -hmm. And Lent gives me a theological framework for dealing with that and leaning into it and drawing wisdom out of it. And I'm really grateful that it exists, that this, let's face it, suffering has meaning and purpose. And so I do try to use it as a time to do some hard thing, whether adding a discipline or giving up something that's not good for me or that's getting in the way of my relationship with God. This year is was one of the hardest things I've ever done, which is give up caffeine for Lent. It took me a full three weeks to taper down before Ash Wednesday. And I was, I was a mess. But you know, that's why I had to do it. Because hmm. when my kids said you should give up caffeine, and my first thought was anything but that, if there's anything in your life about that isn't God, 
that you right. say, I'll give up anything but that, put it on your short list for a Lenten fast. Right, <laughs> got a problem. And the thing that has amazed me is I was so terrified to give up this thing that has been a daily part of my life for more than 20 years. Like it's been literally 20 years since I went a day without caffeine. And it has not been that hard. And it says to me that God is bigger and more important than any of our bad habits, yep. any of those things. Mm -hmm. They all just sort of melt away in comparison. So um, yep. it's it's been good. It's been good. I'm, I will come out of this, uh, I think, a stronger, hopefully wiser person. And <laughs> we'll see what we give up next year. <laughs> <laughs> or add in. I love the adding in. I think in a previous year, I added in reading a chapter in the Bible every morning before I got out of bed. Mm. And I'm still doing that like four mm. years later. So this can be a time of some real important habit forming that can stick with mm -hmm. you more than just mm -hmm. throughout Lent. Yeah. Okay. Time to circle back to Martin Luther. Now, Luther did quite a lot of fasting, especially as a young monk, when he was still trying to sort of like earn his way to heaven. There are some historians, and I don't have a source for this. I'll try to look one up and put it in the show notes, but I know I've read it, that said he basically destroyed his bowels. <laughs> excessive wow. uh, fasting, uh, which actually was really good for Lutheranism so unhappy. because Luther had yeah. to spend a lot of time in the loo. Mm. <laughs> where he did a lot of his best work. Um, so, you I know. I love it. I love it so much. Martin the Luther. Am I right? <laughs> so, but that was as a young man. But how would you characterize a slightly more mature Luther's general stance on fasting as expressed in his 1520 treatise on the freedom of the Christian, also known as Christian liberty. So this is multiple choice. Last question. I'll go easy on you. Yes. So <laughs> here are your choices for Luther's stance on fasting. A, yes, do it. B, yes, but. C, no, but. Or D, absolutely not. C. Yeah, I am not going to go with C. Okay, hang on a second. Give me the first two again. Yes, do it. Yes, but. No, but. Oh. Absolutely not. I'm going with I'm gonna A. Go I'm going to change my answer. I'm going to do Oh, B. boy. <sighs> okay, ABC is, is occupied. Uh, Brie, you, you win the prize. <laughs> Here's this yes. quote, and I, I actually pulled this out, out into our Mardi Gras quiz last year. And uh, again, hat tipped Brian Wolfmuller for having put this on his blog a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And I go back to it frequently when I'm thinking about this subject. The quote goes like this. Every man may easily instruct himself in what measure and with what distinctions he ought to chasten his body. He will fast, watch and labor just as much as he sees to suffice for keeping down the wantonness and concupiscence of the body. I love that mm. word. Concupiscence. But those who pretend to be justified by works are looking not to the mortification of their lusts, but only to the works themselves, thinking that if they can accomplish as many works and as great ones as possible, all is well with them and they are justified. So, to translate, dig deep. You know what kind of fast you need in Lent or out of it. 
You can give up eggs or dairy or meat or wine or chocolate or caffeine or social media or Netflix or whatever, but disciplining your body and your mind are good things that allow your soul to be ever more captive and dependent upon and aware of that dependence on the word of Christ. But, and here's your yes, but, but do not ever fall prey to the temptation that your fasts save you or even add one jot or tittle to your own personal holiness because they don't. Not one tittle. Not Not, one tittle. Not a one. (laughs) It is Jesus fast on the cross from Maundy Thursday to Easter Vigil, that is the one that matters. Mm. Amen. And Hebrew word for praise the Lord for that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are good. That was a good one. These quizzes are always fun. Mm, they are. And I feel like it's been a long time since we had a good quiz. Who won? Um, not like not like we had a bad quiz previously <laughs> or anything. It's just been a long time. Been a long time since we had a quiz, and they're always good. That's how I should have phrased that. <laughs> so, like for real, are we going to declare a winner? Like, do I win? Like, are we going to declare a winner? Oh. Am I the best Lutheran here? Because I why would you? Why would you? Because I got the Lutheran question right. You're the All most right, Lutheran, Brie. You got one more question. Sarah the got Lutheran. the Orthodox question right, and wow, Aaron, I stumped the quizzer. Aaron stumped the quizzer. Yeah, mm. uh, you That's know what? Like we're a thousand gonna... points. We're all. Yeah, actually, Erin stumped the quizzer, so I'm gonna just have to give this one to her because otherwise, oh, this is the one where the, the points are made up and don't matter. <laughs> oh, Bree, so sad now. Yay. It's lunch. Whatever. <laughs> I'll go brood about it. But you know, Aaron, consider yourself lucky. Normally, I'm gonna like punish people who stump the quizzer. <laughs> this is just not live on the podcast anyway. On out. Uh huh. Off yeah. the books. Oh, well, thanks, boy. you guys. I loved this topic, and I was really glad to learn some new things. Like, for example, what Lent means. I seriously did not know that, and I'm really happy that I do now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for reals. Now we all have some knowledge for when we get back together for parties, whenever that happens. Trivia night. Quiz people. You'd be the smarty pants at the soup supper table. Yes. There you go. Everyone will love you for that. More on soup supper soon, though. (laughs) Very nice. Teaser. Teaser. There were a number of teasers in this episode. So what happens when we plan ahead? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it amazing? I know, right? Imagine it. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> well, ladies, maybe you were stumped. Maybe you knew all the answers. I don't know. You could share that with us, though. If or if you have like alternative answers or your own essay question answer, we'd love to see those in the Facebook group. You can find us in the Lutheran Ladies Lounge on Facebook. You can also find all of our episodes, including all of the previous quizzes, some of which were mentioned today, and they are all fantastic. Mardi Gras quiz, still my favorite, most hilarious ever. <laughs> <laughs> Find all of those episodes at kfuo.org slash Lutheran Ladies Lounge or on your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm the winner. (laughs) I'm the best Lutheran. (laughs) And I'm the Quizmas.
Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies' Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies' Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Join our community on Facebook in the Lutheran Ladies' Lounge.